Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here, the first Everyone Wednesday for the month of December. And boy, have we got a program for you. Sound like one of those uh, hurry, hurry, hurry guys. But man, I'll tell you what, we're going to kick things off. See, I said kick off there. Uh, we're into the college football playoff season here and high school football playoffs still going strong, you know, because you've got all the different levels of the lower level game and then you got to get up to the higher level and state championships, et cetera, et cetera. So I've got to ask the high school football coach to join me this hour to talk about high school football and religious liberty. Actually, <clears throat> I should say he's a former high school football coach. You may know him. He's Joe Kennedy. Not the Kennedy from the uh, the political family, but Coach Joe Kennedy of Bremerton High School, or I should say formerly of Bremerton High School in Bremerton, Washington. Bremerton, not a huge area. It is the home of the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. You know, Love lift us up. Where? You remember the officer and the gentleman. Um, <laughs> city of about 44,000 people. And if you've ever jumped into Puget Sound like this crazy kid did once when he was 11, it's cold. But <clears throat> nothing compared to what Joe Kennedy experienced when he was asked after concluding a 25-year distinguished career in the United States Marine Corps. He was asked to help out with the coaching staff at Bremerton High School. He was picked up as an assistant coach. They liked his style so much, they hired him on as the head varsity, or junior varsity coach. And Joe had become a Christian. He was an atheist for a lot of his life, and he became a Christian. And then he decided that at the end of varsity football games, he wanted to go out and take a knee at midfield. He didn't announce it to anybody, bowed his head, prayed silently for about a minute. The prayer was very simple. God, thank you for keeping the players safe. Thanks for a fair contest, blah, blah, blah. Some other players saw him do it. They started to join in pretty soon. The entire Bremerton High School team, it just kind of became a thing for them. And they did it for six, seven, eight games. It was quite, you know, it had been going on for quite some time. Until somebody got a picture of him doing that, contacted the school district and said, hey, you know, this guy's doing this. Now, the story that was presented to the media was crappy atheist, angry humanist. You know, they, they were the ones who were complaining. But if you've read Joe Kennedy's book, you find out that the way that this all came about was a lot different than the media portrayed it. And it was a very personal battle for Joe Kennedy because, quite frankly, his wife was in opposition to him. Now, this is a Christian woman who helped lead her husband to Christ you might be asking, then why was she in opposition of Joe Kennedy? Eventually, he lost on every lower court level. Their marriage almost fell apart. And then his father-in-law developed cancer. So now Joe isn't coaching. So he's been suspended. He winds up going back and forth between Pensacola, Florida, and Bremerton, Washington, caring for his father-in-law, and eventually gets his day at the Supreme Court. And last June, 2022, well, so almost two years ago now, Joe Kennedy is exonerated by the Supreme Court. Yes, he does have the First Amendment right to pray silently at the end of a uh, high school fo football game. Fantastic. Seven-year legal battle. Thanks to our friends at First Liberty for making that happen. You've heard that story, but do you know that story? Well, coming up on the other side of this break, Coach Joe Kennedy is going to join me. And if you like to watch the Bottom Line Show at myhopenow.com, you can, okay, you have permission to just jump over there right now and you can watch us have the conversation as well. Joe has given us several copies of his book. I think it's at least three. It might be more. The book is called Average Joe, the inspirational true story of Coach Joe Kennedy, one man's faith and the fight to change a nation. 
The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, but at least three copies of this book that we're giving away right now at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. In addition, because it is the Advent season and Advent is in full swing, our friends at Turning Point Ministries have provided us with a few copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's Advent devotional. Now, you know how I like to count these out, right? But we have a lot of them, so I better start now. <laughs> we have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but 10 copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's Advent devotional that we would love to place one of them into your hands today. So you have at least 13 chances to win something from the Bottom Line Show here on Everyone Wednesday. And it's either Coach Joe Kennedy's book or Dr. David Jeremiah's Advent devotional. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. So you want to win something? Today is your day. You know, it's interesting when I think about the nativity story. One of the things that is uh, kind of a hallmark of the Mary and Joseph and Jesus story for the first couple of years of Jesus' life is that they're on the go. They have to come back for the census, which was decreed by Caesar Augustus. And so Mary and Joseph have to go back and register in Bethlehem of Judea. That's where um, Joseph is from. That's where his, you know, the bloodline is. And so the Lord had to be born there. So in Bethlehem, in a, in a manger, in a stable, because there was no room at the end, we all know that story. And then, of course, Herod put out the decree. The wise men, the Magi, were supposed to come and do a little scoping out. Where is this Christ child? Uh, what was it uh, Herod used to say? Um, I want to worship him too. And I would teach my kids when we read the, the nativity story. and say, yeah, he wanted to worship him with a knife and end his life, which my kids didn't freak out about <laughs> but for some reason. But you know the story. So then all of a sudden it's off to Egypt for a couple of years and just kind of, you know, hanging out and, you know, waiting for the dust to settle until uh, that's the end of Herod and then back to Nazareth. But it's, for the first couple of years, there was that wandering spirit. And a lot of people, you know, in the progressive side of the Christian community will say, well, wait, Jesus was an immigrant. His parents were undocumented. I mean, uh, well, why shouldn't we be kinder to the undocumented? Well, here's the Christian response the way I read scripture to the whole issue of immigration and homelessness and this, that, and the other thing. The sojourner that is often put up as the biblical example of just let anybody into your country, the way I understand the definition of sojourner in scripture is basically legal alien. That would be Mary, Joseph, and Jesus going to Egypt for a little while, hanging out with family, living there as part of the community just to make sure that Jesus doesn't get killed. It's the brother of someone coming to visit them and staying for several months, working on their land. Basically, the, the, the call to the Christian <clears throat> with regard to being a sojourner is you treat the sojourner the same way you would treat someone who was a citizen. Understanding, of course, that the sojourner doesn't get the rights of the citizen, they get the treatment of the citizen. So the idea that there are Christians say, God, just let anybody in. Well, that's not biblical. Now, should we be unkind to people who come here illegally? No. Should we be unkind to people who get green cards? Of course not. But at the same time, one of the kindest things you can do for somebody who comes here illegally is to help them find a way to be legal here. Get the paperwork going. 
Stop living under the cover of darkness. This has been happening for generations. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about generational curses. And my goodness, the phones did not stop ringing the entire program. Everybody wanted that resource that we were giving away that day. Immigration illegally is, is a big problem. And if you want to know how bad a problem it is, look how common it is for people to immigrate to this country legally. But look what the Biden administration had to do last week. Or was it last week or earlier this week? They had to actually shut down the U.S.-Mexico border in Arizona because we had been so overrun with illegals, most of them young men, they couldn't process them all. And so they literally had to shut the gates. This is Joe Biden shutting down the gates. Same type of issue we are facing here in San Diego. And it's very interesting because the San Diego border, actually the border crossing is gorgeous compared to some of the goofy, you know, fencing that's going on and all down the, uh, you know, what do we have? It's 2,100 miles or whatever. And there's like 800 miles of fence. And some of it looks awesome like San Diego. And some of it looks like chicken wire. I mean, there's no continuity or consistency. But right now there's a problem. We have people who are homeless in the United States and they're looking for a place to live. Over the past two and a half months, San Diego has been inundated with over 42,000 migrants coming here illegally. And of course, the Biden administration is, well, let's do a catch and release, you know, the kind of street release. Well, now they become homeless and they're looking for a place to go. The homeless who are here as legal residents are flooding the shelters. The migrants have nowhere else to go. So where are they going? Well, very interesting. Uh, El Cajon Mayor Bill Wells was on Fox and Friends first not too long ago. And he was lamenting the fact that, I mean, California has a huge homeless population, 172,000 homeless people that we know of in California right now. And San Diego County recently spent $3 million on a migrant shelter that was supposed to be around for several months. And it basically filled up within six weeks. Now they're out of money, but there are a lot of illegal immigrants who are coming into the United States. And you know where they're staying? Lindbergh Field. They're at San Diego. There are 300 migrants who've been living at San Diego Airport right now. Now, they're not just living there because they're, you know, just going to stay there. They're actually staying there until they can get a flight out of California. But nonetheless, that's how bad it's gotten. Bill Wells, the mayor of El Cajon, calling this an unimaginable homeless crisis and wanting to know what the guy who would be president, that being Gavin Newsom, is prepared to do about this. Boy, during the debate last week, Ron DeSantis, he had a debate with Ron DeSantis. Sean Hannity was the, uh, was the uh, moderator. And every time Governor Newsom went into his backpedal uh, dodge and deflect mode, Ron DeSantis would just pick up, put up pictures of homeless encampments in San Diego or in San Francisco and say, look, here's the poop patrol right, right here that's your mess brother that's that's your legacy what are you doing to stem the tide and the answer is a big fat no nothing <laughs> not a darn thing it's interesting though i mean here's the the mayor of el cajon saying look you've got a problem here and just because you, 300 homeless people migrants immigrants not here legally are supposed to be flown out of California. They're basically living at the airport because there's nowhere else to go. What do you plan to do? <laughs> what do you plan to do? Well, we'll put this article up at the bottom line show.com. And if you're in that area and you've been impacted by it, please drop me a line.
Uh, this is an ongoing concern, of course, for San Diego, but also for Arizona, for Texas. I mean, all across the border, the southern border, that is. Northern border doesn't seem to have this issue. What's the administration going to do? Only time will tell. Speaking of time and telling, on the other side of this break, it took seven long years, but former Bremerton High School football coach Joe uh, Kennedy got his job back, won at the Supreme Court. He coached for exactly one game and then turned in his paperwork and retired. Never wondered why he would put himself through all of that hassle at the Supreme Court to get his job back and then give it up after one game. Well, he writes about it in his book called Average Joe, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and he's going to tell us the story of why his wife was at odds with him over this whole case and why he quit after he won. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, today on The Bottom Line, we have a special treat for you, especially if you've been following the case of Coach Joe Kennedy. Uh, Joe Kennedy, of course, the former uh, varsity assistant coach and head junior varsity coach at Bremerton High School in Bremerton, Washington, made famous for the fact that the guy used to have the audacity to take a knee near the midfield stripe after the end of every football game and offer a silent prayer. And next thing you know, he's going before the Supreme Court with a big religious liberty case. And last year, he was successful and uh, won his battle and uh, was reinstated to his job, but his life has taken some interesting twists and turns since then. He's written a book about his experience called Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and it is our privilege after years of chronicling his case to actually have Joe Kennedy with us here on The Bottom Line Show. Joe, welcome to the program. It is so awesome to talk to you guys. Well, we're, we are thrilled to, first of all, congratulations on the case. I, I think that long, hard fought. What was the initial reaction to you that day in June when you found out, hey, we went to the Supreme Court, we challenged this all the way to the top of the heap, and we won? Yeah, I, I really couldn't believe it after eight years of fighting and hearing no, no, no. And we were, I think, over seven. And you just never think you're ever going to get there. And it was right after the Dobbs case of one that mm-hmm. overturned Roe versus Wade. And we thought that one was going to come first. So we didn't even expect ours to come the very next week. So we were kind of in shock and in disbelief that when it came, finally came down and it, it was such a stunning thing for us that it was actually there, that it was really hard to process and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gave each other high fives and, uh, yeah, we just wanted to tell the world about it, that the First Amendment is live well and, and uh, yeah, they're doing Absolutely. great. 
I'm thrilled for you. I know this took a huge personal toll on you. It uh, certainly strengthened your faith. What a lot of people may be surprised to find out, I was surprised to find out reading your book, uh, average Joe Kennedy was not always super strong Christian Joe Kennedy. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you became a Christian and got yourself in this mess in the first place? Yeah, that, that was a very nice way of saying it. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was pretty much a heathen my whole entire life. Uh, it wasn't until I got out of the Marine Corps and uh, hooked up with my my now wife. She was my childhood sweetheart, and mm. she, we were un, unequally yoked. We, she, was, she grew up in the church and a good Christian uh, woman, and yeah, I, I was failing as a husband and as a father, and I needed to do something different. And I just, just to save my marriage, I had nowhere else to go and nowhere else to turn. There was nothing here on the earth that could save me. So I ended up submitting to God and pleading with Him. It, you know, Lord, if you if you save my my marriage, you know, mm -hmm. I'll give you my entire life. And that's the way it all started. Was just yeah. to save my marriage, and it immediately did. And I, I haven't looked back, and I never will look back. And always driving for. I think that's wonderful. I mean, you, th there's kind of a Lee and Leslie Strobel quality to your marriage, Joe, or the way you're describing it, where Leslie falls into the the, the favor of the Lord uh, with her experience at Willow Creek, and Lee, being the investigative reporter, says, who's this cult that's brainwashed my wife? I must rescue her, and winds up becoming one of the best-known apologists of our generation. Here you are now, but I'm sure that when you were fighting to save your marriage, you weren't necessarily thinking, and one day I'll be standing before the Supreme Court with one of the best First Amendment victories that we've ever seen in this culture what after what was life like after the core i mean you did 25 years or so you did you know what you wanted to do with your life once you got out no i actually thought I, you know once i got married i thought well you know my life was perfect and obviously it wasn't because my marriage was failing but when i i found the lord and then everything fell right into place and I was a happy camper. It, it seemed like I was absolute for the first time in my life at peace. I had mm. everything I wanted. My, I, I started, you know, with, um, I started with doing the whole tithing thing, which was just didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really put everything on to the Lord and, and challenged him in every way. And I said, you know, Hey, you got to take care of me because I'm giving you everything from now on. And he totally did. And it, it was incredible. I had the, what I thought was the absolute perfect life. I had no idea he was going to challenge me in the ways that he did, but I, I just wanted to have a nice quiet life and be retired and, and just live my life with a uh, you know, woman in my dreams. I had no uh -huh. idea I was going to be in for this battle. Yeah, that's and I'm grateful that you kind of prefaced what we're going to get into here in such a way. Uh, Coach Joe Kennedy is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You know him from the uh, now famous Supreme Court victory last year, uh, the First Amendment case involving a coach who had the audacity to take a knee and pray at the end of football games and wound up becoming a symbol for uh, religious freedom in our nation. He's written a book about his experience. It's called Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. So you're out of the Marine Corps, you're a newly minted Christian, you married your childhood sweetheart, everything's going great. And yet, Joe, I love the fact you're kind of the, you're the perfect kind of compliment to Jack Phillips, I think, you know, in terms of Jack being such a nice guy and you being a nice, I mean, pleasant man, but a, a little bit more aggressive in this. Um, talk about what, what got us to this point. When did, when did God speak to you and say, hey, you can honor me this way at the football game? I mean, I, a, lot, a lot of players, I mean, I see it during the national anthem, you know, where they got their head bowed or you're kind of rocking back and forth. I've seen players give glory to God. You know, we, we all seen the not just Tim Tebow, but guys, you know, make the sign of the cross or take a knee in the end zone. What 
what was it about the assistant varsity football coach at Bremerton High School taking a knee when no one else was really paying attention that, first of all, what compelled you to do it in the first place? Yeah, so I, I didn't even want to be a coach. I, I had no knowledge of football. I, I had no interesting no knowledge in uh, X's and O's. Uh, only thing I knew was uh, the, the intangible things that you learn in the Marine Corps about discipline, teamwork. And I really knew how to shape young men into being good leaders and, and being better young men. And that's what my strong suit was. And that's what I was hired for. But when they offered me the job, I, I wanted to pray about it. I want to talk to my family about it. And in the middle of the night, uh, during that weekend, when they offered me the job, uh, the movie Facing the Giants came on. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and just so you, and you remember in the movie that the coach is going through hard times, and he dedicated his – changed everything, his whole entire um, philosophy to giving praise to God. So nothing I did was original. I just did what the guy did in the movie and I kind of stole it from him. And I said, God, I'm going to give you the glory after the game, win or lose. And that's how it all started. Something as simple as just taking a knee and thanking God after a football game. That's the way it started. And I, I continue with that practice for eight years while I was coaching. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how once this happened and in the advent of the mobile photographing device, you know, AKA the smartphone, how, all of a sudden you're in the crosshairs here. How, how did this come about? Because I know there's an interesting part of your story we'll get into on the other side of this break. I don't want you to rush through it, but an interesting family connection that you had when basically here you are working for the school district and the district <laughs> is telling you, you can't do this. And the head of personnel for the district is telling you, Hey, honey, um, I think we should, I think we should rethink this. How, when it, how, how did it first come about? How were you first notified that there was a quote unquote problem with you taking a knee? Yeah, the very first uh, uh, thing that I heard was um, I, I um, got a call from uh, it was my wife and, and from everybody else at the school district. And my wife and, and the principal, as you know, um, they we, they received a compliment from somebody at the school district. And they said uh, what they went to one of our games and they saw that what we were doing was just an awesome um, show of sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to give the compliment. So this all started from a compliment. And really? then, of course, they have to do, yeah, they had to start an investigation on that, which turned completely sideways and threw um, everybody, including my wife, into the middle of this big, huge, um, ended up a huge lawsuit. Mm. It's interesting. I should point out your your wife was the head of was like a personnel or something like that for the whole yeah, school HR. district. She was the HR director. Oh so, my yeah. goodness! What was it? Okay, now th this is kind of an interesting juxtaposition, Joe, from what you mentioned because she was a strong Christian when you guys got married. You were the one who was kind of dragging. Now all of a sudden, your faith is in the spotlight. What were the conversations like at home when the head of HR, aka Mrs. Joe Kennedy, is saying, "Honey, uh, I think we need to." Was she supportive of what you were doing? Was she saying, "Hey, look, you're putting us both in a bad spot"? What were those dinner time conversations like? Oh, um, I she put it a really good way of intense fellowship. Um, mm. We 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 had some really hard times. We actually almost got a divorce over this whole thing. Oh my! She could not. She couldn't understand why I was doing what I was doing. It, it was really awful because she just wanted to do her job. She couldn't understand from any aspect of why I had to do what I was doing because it wasn't just uh, the right thing to do as, as far as a Christian because, you know, 
you're supposed to love everybody. And the way she's been taught is, you know, you don't want to make waves for anybody. Right. And your faith doesn't change where you are. But as an American and as a Marine, no, this was the right thing to do is to stand up and not be bullied. And no American should ever have to be faced between their job and, and saying a prayer and their faith. That, that seemed ridiculous to me. So the Marine in me came out and she just, she couldn't understand that from that perspective and i didn't know how to explain that to her. so mm. it, it was tough and, and it put a huge strain on our marriage we okay. we almost uh, lost it there for a while wow well I, this is a perfect cliffhanger because we do need to take a break but i'm dying to find out how things were reconciled but we'll ask that question on the other side of this break coach joe kennedy is my guest today here on the bottom line average joe is the name of the book one man's faith and the fight to change a nation we have a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com we'll find out how joe's marriage was saved and how he proved victorious at the supreme court uh, it's coming up next as the bottom line continues welcome back to this everyone wednesday edition of the bottom line show i'm roger marsh coach joe kennedy is my guest and we are so grateful to have him here i was going to actually see if we could get him to come on a friday do like a friday night lights type of thing uh since the high school football playoffs are still going on but he came with three books and so he said well if we're coming with three books then this is going to be an everyone wednesday broadcast for sure Uh, average joe is the name of the new book one man's faith and the fight to change a nation we've got a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com we have have not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. We have three copies of Joe Kennedy's biography that we're giving away today here on the bottom line. And one of the things you're going to read in this biography is that narrative that we were told by a lot of people. And, you know, it's not that they told us that this was the story. Basically, what they said was, here's the story, and you fill in the blanks. We heard that Joe Kennedy was a Christian, that he was a coach, former Marine, loves America, loves God. We had been told that there was a kerfluffle over the fact that Joe Kennedy took a knee and actually was praying, and the school district got into it with him. But what actually was the impetus for the lawsuit wasn't that someone complained about Joe Kennedy praying. It was actually that they were praising the district for allowing Joe Kennedy to pray. And then the district said, wait, we can't have that. We don't want to get sued. And oh, by the way, the head of human resources for the school district was Joe's wife. More of this story coming up next as the bottom line continues. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. Coach Joe Kennedy is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You've heard so much about his story here on the program, and now he's got a brand new book out called Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation Chronicles. 
everything that went into the case from him taking a knee at midfield after a football game that he was the assistant varsity. Now, I want to make sure, Joe, I got this right. You were the head junior JV coach and the assistant or one of the assistant varsity coaches. Is that correct? That is correct. Absolutely okay. nailed it. Okay. And, and and doing this after a 25-year Marine Corps career where now he's been hired not so much for his football prowess, because it sounds like he and I know about as much as X's and O's as the other guy does. But um, the the idea that they that you want to build character. And as a newly minted Christian, after having been an atheist for his entire life, uh, here's a guy who had been walking with the Lord a few years and felt this compulsion to actually express his gratitude to God after football games. And it was a compliment from a parent delivered to the school district that said, hey, I'm glad you have you know, someone doing this. How many, the first couple of times you did this, Joe, how many kids looked at you and went, what the heck? And then it, it kind of became a thing, didn't it? Yeah, it, it started out um, just myself and over a few months, I, I guess, it might have even been, you know, six months. I have no idea before anybody even realized what I was doing. I had a couple of my players come up and ask, Coach, what are you doing out there? And mm -hmm. I said, I was just thanking God for what you guys did. And they said, hey, we're, we're Christians. Can we join you? I said, this is a free country and this is your team. Of course you can come out. Mm -hmm. So there was, that's the way it all started. And, you know, depending on the win and loss situation, sometimes they came out, sometimes they didn't. And it did grow. And um, in the last years, uh, especially the last year in the eighth season, they started inviting the other team. They want to know if it was okay to invite oh, the other wow. team because it's a mm -hmm. small community and they mm -hmm. grew up with each other. And I said, hey, again, your team, if you want to do that, go ahead. And they mm -hmm. started inviting it. And in our eighth season, we had both teams from every every team on, in our league praying on the 50-yard line in a moment wow. of, of peace and, and thanksgiving after after the game. It was incredible sight, sign of true sportsmanship. After yeah, I, I love it. And I remember reading a quote. One of the quotes that got to me was one of the players who was speaking out in your defense, from what I understand, was an atheist who just said, hey, look, I think this is great unity thing. You know, I, I, I'm not a Christian, but if everybody comes together afterwards, kind of takes a deep breath, you know, offers a word of thanks and sportsmanship, I'm all for it. And I thought, well, boy, if you're having that kind of impact on even atheists with doing what you're doing, there's certainly no harm. You're not hosting beer fueled parties at your home. You know, you're not <laughs> engaging in all sorts of dangerous and reckless behavior. But meanwhile, your school district is afraid they're going to get sued. They're going through all sorts of uh, rigmarole here. And it actually hits the Joe Kennedy household. Um, you guys, you and your wife almost separated over this. Talk about that a little bit more in detail, because obviously you're together now, which is good. I'm glad there's a reconciliation story. But uh, when was the point where you guys realized God wants us together, not apart? Yeah, so we were in the middle of everything, and I was getting phone calls, it seemed like, every day from uh, First Liberty Institute, the ones that represented me. And uh, they couldn't talk to my wife. I couldn't talk to my wife. The school right. couldn't talk to them or talk to uh, my wife about the case because they had to keep things keep her totally neutral from it, from it. So she couldn't even do her job. And she received hate mail all the time. Okay. And, and she... I mean, she's a person of love. She she was not raised to be a fighter like I was, and she has no background. And she was left all alone throughout this whole process. So imagine this into, I don't know, we were into probably our first uh, year or two into it, and we were at our breaking point, and we got in a big fight. I left her on in our bedroom in it after a huge fight, just crying. And she said, this isn't working. And, 
we need to be separated for a while because the only thing I'm doing is hurting me and I love. And I said, well, you, you're not leaving. I'll, I'll go. And I was walking out of my room and I received a text and I assumed it was from my lawyers and it was the guys, the Kendrick brothers who did facing the giants mm. who got me into this mess uh -huh, to begin uh -huh. with. And it was the perfect moment. So God waited to the, not just the 11th hour, but 11 hours, 59 minutes, 59, <laughs> 59 seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fell, I fell down the stairs. My wife comes running down the stairs after me and I, I can't talk. I can't speak. I'm, I'm trying to hold in my you know tears. I'm breathless and I'm handing her my phone. She thinks I'm having a heart attack. And we end up watching um, the message from the Kendrick brothers. And they said, I know you're going through some hard times. You and your family are facing everything. And I just want to tell you, you know, we're so proud of you. And I mean, it was a perfect healing moment. And she knew immediately that this mm. wasn't me. This wasn't the rebellious, um, defiant kid that she always knew since we were child childhood sweethearts. And this is, this is what God has called me to do. And her eyes were just immediately opened. Wow. And we sat there and cried on the stairs for probably wow. a good half hour. And I tell you, where our house was divided, and you know, and the Bible says two become one, we were mm -hmm. rejoined, and our marriage has never been stronger. And from oh. that moment on, um, we've been completely solid and understanding that God has been the center of everything since. Mm, that is such a beautiful story from Joe Kennedy, Coach Joe Kennedy, uh, who is the center of the uh, religious liberty fight, the First Amendment battle that was victoriously uh, defended, I mean, uh, and prosecuted uh, in his favor, uh, thanks to our friends at First Liberty Institute and, of course, uh, the hand of God, too. Joe writes about his story in a brand new book called Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change the Nation. When you look at the cover and you see Joe kneeling on a football field, you got the Supreme Court in the background, you know exactly what you're talking about. But when you read this story, you're going to see so much more to it than just what the headlines gave us. The headlines gave us a coach who took a knee, uh, praying to God, was being attacked for his faith, and then was victorious at the Supreme Court. But Joe, as you're describing it, it sounds like, and I, I hate to even bring this up, but I, it, we would be intellectually dishonest if we didn't. Your wife's getting these threatening phone calls at the district, I'm assuming from people who supported you and saying, why are you going after this guy? Was that accurate yeah mostly mm. that's what it was is we had people from all over america and even christians were calling her and saying you need to burn in hell for not supporting oh. your husband mm. so you can imagine what she was going through and it mm -hmm. was terrible they had to have the police and you know everybody out there in front of the school protecting them from all these threats and unlike me when i got threats i was like hey i'll meet you for lunch and right. um, mm -hmm. I, I just blow those things off but her it, it was so hard for the school they shut down um which which it was i i thought was kind of cool because of the outrage over something so silly as taking a knee but the um americans with a huge outcry over this injustice uh, shut down their email their their phone system their servers uh, fax machines their mail there were millions of Americans that spoke out against us and that were on our side of this. So I, I felt very good about that part, not the threatening part, but the huge outcry mm -hmm. in, of the injustice. So I, I felt very good about that. There are people that are willing to stand up and fight for the rights. Amen. Joe Kennedy with me today here on The Bottom Line. Coach Joe Kennedy is the author of the book, Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. After this eight-year battle, you're reinstated. You get your old job back. You're on the sideline for one game, 
and then you hang it up. Help help people understand why, because I mean, there, there's so many more things to your life and a book and a movie and things like that. What what if you fought so hard to get your job back? Why only keep it for one game? Yeah, and you know, it's it was a long fight. So the only two things I I asked for was to be able to be a coach and to pray after football games. That was from the very beginning. The only two things I wanted. So in uh, I think it was March when they did the reinstatement. I, I was there. I flew up to Washington uh, from Pensacola and I was there and actually received my letter of reinstatement. And that was the first half of it. The first thing that I asked. For. So I was made half whole again. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. I, I went down to the school because we had spring ball happening and I was ready to go join my team. The school district saw it in a different way and hit me with all the red tape. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, here's where it's going to start. So for two weeks, I wasn't able to step even on the football field. I said, we'll try again this fall. And so finally, I was able to step onto the field. And of course, I got pushed back. And I did the fall camp with my team. I was there for over a month with the team and getting ready for the first game. And first game went really great. And um, I went to practice on the Monday. And my wife and I started praying about it. How long did we stay? Did we stay the whole year? I had a one-way ticket. I had no idea of how long God wanted us to stay. Right. And so um, in, uh, the next day, Tuesday morning, we got uh, my father-in-law's CTs scans back. And they weren't very good. And so it was pretty much a clear sign for us that we need to go back to uh, back sure. down to Florida to take care of my father-in-law. And it, I know the school, they, they had no, no love loss there. And it right. was probably better off because uh, they didn't need me there anymore and was quite happy with me leaving. So mm-hmm. it was probably best for everybody. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. And I appreciate how philosophical you are about this because the priorities are what they are. And if God's closing that door, I mean, you won the victory in court. And of course, now I'm sure there are dozens of other accounts of you know, people praying in public like this that are going to be revisited because now there's a case precedent at the Supreme Court, which is a phenomenal legacy. Um, take the final moments of our time together, Joe Kennedy. We've got to have you back on because I want to dive deeper into your story, but we're just scratching the surface here. I understand there's a movie and you mentioned the Kendrick brothers. And so I've got to put two and two together and ask, are you guys working on this project or can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, so I, I reached out to them and I really wanted them to do it because I, in my vision, it was going to be facing the giants too, or something along that line. Right. And they were, they were so busy with making a whole bunch of other films. So we went with the guys that did uh, God's not dead. Oh, and excellent. Okay. Yeah. So um, it, it's, a, it's looks like it's going to be an outstanding film. We just got done filming it about three weeks ago and it's in uh post-production we're doing all the editing now and it will be out um this summer uh mid-fall i'd imagine right before uh football season and it will it'll follow my life uh, kind of along the lines of the book um from when i was a little kid all mm-hmm. the way through to uh, pretty much today and fill in a lot of the, the blanks and it, it's got some good humor in it and some things that'll make you cry. Kind of like the book. It, it's really, um, it's going to be good. I think you'll like it. Uh, that's that Chuck Consulman, Carrie Solomon, that whole crowd that's doing it? Or uh, is it David A.R. Uh, White and that whole team? 
Uh, so it's uh, Troy Duhon and uh, Bob Katz, the original okay. guys behind the scenes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Those are good, good names, good guys. And it, isn't it nice to have so many different Christian production houses to choose from now that are putting out just outstanding quality. And oh. I can't, I, what, what, who plays you, by the way? Uh, Eric Close. And I wasn't even really? familiar with, yeah, I didn't know who he was. And as soon as I looked him up, I was like, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I was more concerned who was going to be playing my wife, who is Amy Acker. And I was thinking, man, that is the perfect fit. What a beautiful woman that is in, in yeah. her soul and everything. She's just well, the perfect person. For it. It'll be nice to see Eric Close play a good guy for a change. Um, Cause I know he's got that kind of smarmy little, hey, I could get away with it, but uh, that'll be great. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys, Joe. That's, that's fantastic. Well, we'll have more than enough reason to uh, spend time together again, but uh, until then uh, coach Joe Kennedy, the book is called average Joe, one man's faith and the fight to change a nation. There's a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com. Joe, thank you for being with us and sharing your story. We appreciate the time today here on the bottom line. Hey, thanks a lot. You be blessed. We'll see you guys later. Well, that is a conclusion to the amazing true story of Coach Joe Kennedy today here on The Bottom Line. Um, if you didn't get a chance to watch the video along with us, if you're just listening on radio, uh, terrestrial radio, or we, we have Bottom Line listeners who listen on transistor radios. I love that. And also on like the desk radio at home. If that's your story, give us a call. 800-227-5278. I wish I still had my transistor radios from my childhood. How cool would that be? Instead, I have to still deal with this silly old smartphone that's basically like a computer, and it's the same size as the old transistor radio. It's Everyone Wednesday today here on the Bottom Line Show. We have not one, not two, but three copies of the book called Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change a Nation. Got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Would love to place one of these books in your hands. Of course, everyone who calls today is going to win something. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break a little bit of a mea culpa from me for not knowing all of joe's story but also an understanding as to why i think the story was presented the way it was for so many years by so many people, yours tr truly included. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Special update from our friends at Preborn, especially here in the final month of the year. Good news is that the double matching gift is in place every day through the end of the month. That's the good news. The bad news is if you wait too long, you won't be able to take advantage of it. Now, Preborn has been offering qualitative health care for women who are in pregnancy mode for many, many years. And one of the specialties of Preborn, of course, is providing free ultrasounds for any woman who asks for one. When a woman comes to a Preborn clinic, she gets a pregnancy test, she gets an ultrasound, she gets to see those first baby pictures of her preborn child, and then is given the information about the options available to her, either become a mother, release that child for adoption, or yes, in states like California, where it's still legal, abortion is on the table as well. But 85 times out of 100, a woman who goes to preborn and sees the ultrasound winds up keeping the child or releasing the child for adoption. Your tax-deductible donation to preborn right now is doubled through the end of the year. So call 833-850-BABY today. 833-850-2229. A $28 donation provides one appointment. 140 provides five. 280 provides 10. And all of those numbers are doubled now through the end of the year. 833-850-2229 or give a gift online at kbrightradio.com.
My thanks again to Coach Joe Kennedy. What a great conversation today here on The Bottom Line. Coach Joe has won his Supreme Court victory. He got his job back at Bremerton High School in Bremerton, Washington. He coached for exactly one game and then retired. Um, He said the district was so happy to have him quit. He didn't want any part of what was going on. Now it's been eight years. His father-in-law is dying of cancer. and Joe and his wife are splitting their time between Pensacola, Florida and, um, and Bremerton to do the coaching. He'd written the book. He's got a movie coming out about his life. I think it's a good thing that, that he's in the situation where he is right now. But we've got three copies of the book, Average Joe, One Man's Faith and the Fight to Change the Nation. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Not one, not two, but three copies. And I would love for you to have one. It's everyone Wednesday, so everybody who calls in is going to get something. We still have David Jeremiah devotionals for Advent to give away. Uh, there's a whole slew of things. 800-227-5278. 800 that's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, a couple things about Joe's story that I think are important to remember, and I want to explain, I think, the, the benefits of this. When I first met Jack Phillips at Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, Joe mentioned, he goes, you know, Jack's a great guy. He's a little, you know, more, you know, steadfast in his spirit. I'm a little more, you know, rough around the edges, but God has used both of these men to not only stand up for religious liberty in our nation, but also lead people to Christ. You remember Jack's story about he had a nephew, I believe, who was so impressed with the way that Jack handled all of the attacks, all of the death threats, the things that that came his way, that he wound up giving his heart to the Lord. And I I can't not think about the Lord in the Sermon on the Mount saying, let your light so shine before others that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven because they see him in you. And, and Joe Kennedy, same type of thing. This is a guy who, you know, had been coaching for probably six months or maybe six or seven games before someone finally picked up what was going on here. Now, the story that we've been sharing for years is here's a guy who's another example of a Christian guy, takes a knee, somebody complains, blah, blah, blah. Well, here is the, the issue, though. Remember, first and foremost, to get Joe's story right. If you had heard the story of Joe Kennedy, the way it actually played out initially, how would you respond? Joe Kennedy takes a knee and bows his head for prayer, and someone who approved of it called the Bremerton Unified School District. It was the school district, I mean, still we're not saying, not suggesting that it was anyone other than the school district who forced Joe out. They did. But they did not do so because they were under duress from a crabby atheist or angry humanist group. And so for all of the times that I have shared that part of the story on the Bottom Line Show, I'm, I'm apologizing for that. It actually was a parent who went to one of the games, saw Joe coaching and said, I like that, and reached out to the school district and said, good for you. And then the school district went, uh-oh, rot row. I mean, <laughs> we can't have that now, can we? Now, it's interesting because Washington State has a history of doing this type of stuff. You'll remember the story of Baron L. Stutzman, the owner of Arlene's Flowers. She had a couple of guys, gay men, who were in a relationship. They were good customers of hers. They all knew each other. They knew she was a Christian. She knew they were gay. They still did business together. But then when they decided Washington State had legalized same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage, and then they, they said, well, we want to get married. They went to talk to Baronell and she said, look, I can't do your wedding. They said, look, we totally understand. Can you give us a quote? We're going to use it to, you know, uh, find somebody who can. And an innocent posting by one of the guys who said, oh, we saw Baronell today. She does such great work. We want to give her business a shout out. She's not going to be able to do our wedding because she's a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And some do-gooder, quote unquote, in the Washington state government 
saw the post and started a civil action against her. She now has lost her business and her retirement. In Joe Kennedy's case, what makes this so insidious is that it started with somebody who wasn't a crabby atheist or angry humanist, but rather a Christian who said, I like that. And when they went to the school district, it was the superintendent who said, oh, wait a minute, we can't do this. They went to the HR department and guess who ran the HR department? Joe's wife. She was the running HR for the Bremerton School District. And so the first couple of years, this is a seven-year battle, remember, the first couple of years of this battle, she would come to Joe almost every night and say, honey, look, I love you, but do you really need to do this? Now, bear in mind, of course, Joe was an atheist when they got married. She was a Christian, 25-year Marine Corps guy. He winds up getting a job with the district after he retires from the Marine Corps, not because he was a great football player, but because he could coach these young guys and teach them good morals and values. He eventually comes to faith in Christ because of his wife and her witness. She, uh, just like scripture said, her testimony gently won him over. But now she's like, hey, I know I led you to Christ, but can you back off on this knee at the bath midfield thing? It's making it tough for me. It's making it tough for us. And eventually you heard Joe just show, share the story about he had reached out to Alex and Stephen Kendrick. He'd seen the movie Facing the Giants. It really inspired him as a coach to stand up to the bullying he was undergoing. He had gotten a hold of them somehow. And it was the night, the very moment when he and his wife were deciding to separate. He was literally on his way out the door, bag packed, ready to go. When he got a text from the Kendrick brothers saying, hey, we just heard about your testimony. We heard the face of the Giants was a big help. Stay the course, hang in there. He showed the text to his wife. They watched the movie and they said, no, we have to fight this together. And they did. And two, two times in the Supreme Court, um, well, once he went to the Supreme Court and didn't win the second time, June of 2022, victorious. And their marriage is strong and it's really wonderful. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about the other part of the story that was not reported widely. And I think we as Christians need to take a look at it. Because in this case, first and foremost, it isn't always a crabby atheist or angry humanist who will ignite the fire here. In this case, it was a do-gooding public official who didn't want to get sued. But secondly, I want to talk about a, what the Christian response was. Publicly, it was, yeah, Coach Joe, we love this guy, we love this guy. But there was another part of the Christian response that we have to take responsibility for. We'll talk, take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm glad you've tuned in. Um, as we're talking about the case of Coach Joe Kennedy and his book, Average Joe, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Coach Joe Kennedy, of course, is the coach, former high school football coach at Bremerton High School who got into trouble by taking a knee. And uh, he would bow down at the... You know, it's interesting. Colin Kaepernick took a knee at NFL games, and he became a cultural icon. Joe Kennedy used to take a knee at high school football games and he lost his job and wound up uh, having to take his case to the Supreme Court, but he won. He should have won. It was a slam dunk case. He never should have had to get to this point in the first place. But I'll tell you what, I've got some final thoughts here to share as we wrap up this segment of the program. By the way, we are giving away copies of Joe's book, Average Joe, here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. If you are not fancying the football book, we have 10 copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's Advent devotional to whet your appetite with. 800-227-5278. 800 227 
5278 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. First thing we can take away from this story is not everything is not as seem. When the story was first presented to the media, it was Christian coach Joe Kennedy, former U.S. Marine veteran, well, current veteran, he served for 25 years, who was fired unjustly by the Bremerton Unified School District for taking a knee and praying after a football game at a public school stadium. Now, we knew that that was, in fact, true, that he should not have been fired and he was exonerated. But what started this was not the crabby atheist, angry humanist crowd that usually takes a picture, calls one of their legal people. They send some kind of letter that says, if you don't stop this, we're going to sue you and pay us money and fire him and whatever. This started with a parent who actually contacted the school district and said, hey, we think it's great that you got that coach who prays. And it was the school district that lost it, launched an investigation into Joe Kennedy, number one. Number two, Joe Kennedy's wife was the head of HR for the Bremerton Unified School District, and she was responsible for having to launch the investigation into her husband's antics. And she pleaded with him on several occasions, Joe, can you just stop it? And it was an, intersex, an intervention by the Kendrick brothers and their movie Facing the Giants that got her to say, no, I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm on board now. If you missed that part of the conversation, go back to thebottomlineshow.com or My Hope Now, and you can watch Joe tell that story to me. Third, the most vitriol that Joe Kennedy got. He said, you know, when the world comes after you, he goes, I'm a Marine. I can take it. You know, don't come after my family. I'll defend them. But if you want to say something about me, I don't care. But he said the worst criticism and the worst vitriol they got during this whole thing wasn't toward him. It was Christians contacting his wife at her job and basically saying, you should burn in hell for not supporting your husband. Now, I don't, I, Joe and I just met, so I mean, we're not super close. I, I take him at his word when he said that that's what she had to deal with. Brothers and sisters, in what reality does any of us in the body of Christ have the right to contact somebody who professes faith in Christ and say, you should burn in hell because I don't like what you're doing? Oh, wait. I mean, Jesus is pretty strict on this one. Remember after Judas went to betray him, John chapter 13, and he's with the disciples. They're on their way to the Mount of Olives and, and the Garden of Gethsemane, rather. And what does he say to them? A new commandment I give you. Not a request, not a suggestion, a commandment. That means we have to do it. And then he says, it's love one another. As I have loved you, so you would love one another. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you all love one another. Can you imagine what kind of beating this case would have taken if more and more people outside the church had realized that the bulk of the vitriol they were getting was from inside the church? May we be people of faith who show a unified front and everyone will know we are Christians by the way we love God and the way we love others, especially those in the body of Christ. That is the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, we're going to keep it in the military for just a moment, a rather tragic story involving a former U.S. Marine who was stationed at Camp Pendleton 
and uh, a case involving the sanctity of human life. It's all coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're welcoming back Teresa to, uh, in the office with us, which is great. Haven't had the chance to work with her in person for a while, so welcome back. Also, Crystal's here taking your calls at 800-227-5278. Three copies at least, and she may have dug up a few more of Average Joe, One Man's Faith in the Fight to Change the Nation, the incredible inspirational true story of Coach Joe Kennedy of Bremerton High School, who was my guest in hour number one, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, you've got a chance, you've got one, well, a couple more chances left to get in on the drawing for that. Now, since it is Everyone Wednesday, if you do, uh, wish to uh, participate in Everyone Wednesday this week, um, you have a golden opportunity to uh, to step in here to the giveaway we have for the Advent devotionals, courtesy of our friends at Turning Point and Dr. David Jeremiah. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six, seven, eight, or nine, but we have 10 copies that we're giving away today. 10 copies of Dr. David Jeremiah's Advent devotional. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, a tough story here on a difficult uh, subject, but I, I want to bring it to our attention because it's something that we, if we really are, um, if we really are going to consider ourselves to be people of faith and also pro-sanctity of human life, then we have to look at the good, the bad, and the other, and the ugly when it comes to the sanctity of human life. And one of the things that we champion is the fact that if there's any kind of protesting going on, um, that we should be doing so peacefully. Uh, 40 Days for Life will just finish up in November. It'll start up again in time for Lent. And this is a twice a year uh, event where people of the Christian faith and some people who are secular pro-life and uh, we've got, you know, gay people for the sanctity of life, atheists, feminists, all sorts of people get together, but they're, it's predominantly Christian people, get together and go to abortion clinics. And of course, of the abortion clinics in the nation, Planned Parenthood does not have, well, they have the most of any one given chain. There are a lot of individual abortion clinics around. And Planned Parenthood does at least 40% of the surgical abortions in the United States. And they're becoming the place where it's doling out more of the uh, medical, as they're called, abortion pills, that will kill the baby in the womb and force a woman into uh, a, a forced miscarriage, um, which is an abortion, as opposed to what they call a natural or uh, you know non-forced miscarriage, which happens unfortunately naturally uh, in in many pregnancies. And so uh, we talk often about the fact that uh, we've seen a growing number of people who are opposed to the sanctity of human life taking aim at abortion clinics and things of that nature. But there have been very few instances of abortion clinics that have actually come under fire uh, you know, from the sanctity of human life side. That's what we report to you here on the Bottom Line Show uh, every time we talk about that type of thing. So it is not easy for me to share with you that a man called Chance Brannon, a 24-year-old resident of San Juan Capistrano who had been an active-duty Marine stationed at Camp Pendleton, um, has admitted to plotting terrorist attacks against uh, abortion clinics. As a matter of fact, on November 30th, he pled guilty to firebombing a Planned Parenthood clinic in Costa Mesa. 
Now, by firebombing, the definition here was he made a Molotov cocktail, which, as you know, is not a cocktail. Uh, it's, a, it's alcohol, rag inside, put it in a bottle, light the rag on fire. By the time you throw it, the bomb goes off. He did actually uh, bring a Molotov cocktail to the uh, Planned Parenthood Clinic in Costa Mesa. Uh, he did plead guilty to four counts, one of conspiracy, uh, malicious destruction of property by fire and explosives, possession of an unregistered destructive device, and intentional damage to a reproductive health services facility. Now, that last charge is interesting because when you think about it, that same law should be applied to uh, whether it be a pro-life pregnancy resource center or an abortion clinic. But more often than not, it actually does, in fact, it's reproductive health services facility typically in the courts world means abortion clinic. Now, U.S. Attorney Martin Estrada said the defendant exemplifies the insidious danger posed by domestic extremism. We must never waver in our commitment to protect the American people from violent extremist ideology. Not realizing whatsoever that what the attorney just said was we should defend this extremism when we have laws that say it's okay for a woman to kill her defenseless baby in the womb. But if it's some crazy pro-life nut, anti-abortion person who throws a Molotov cocktail at a building that may or may not have had people inside, then that's dangerous. Um, in the indictment, this goes back to March 13th, 2022. Mr. Brandon said he conspired to hurl a Molotov cocktail at the Planned Parenthood clinic. He was aiming to scare pregnant women who were there who were going to perform to have an abortion performed. He said he also wanted to uh, deter doctors from providing abortion services. Now, fortunately, no one was injured in the attack, but the clinic's exterior was damaged. There was a, I mean, the bomb went off, so there were a little, uh, um, a little bit of fire damage there to report. So he planned it. It was premeditated. It was not an accident. He made the device. He showed up. He threw it at the building. Something caught fire. No one got hurt, praise God, but he's now pled guilty to four of these charges. Um, in addition, he also admitted to planning a second uh, attack on a Planned Parenthood clinic. No specifications to where that was. And also, um, he wanted to go after an electric utility substation in Orange County for reasons we don't understand. But then remember all that fluff, that the hustle and doodle-diddle stuff about the Los Angeles Dodgers and the group of drag queens or yeah, yeah, drag queens that they, the Dodgers wanted to honor as part of LGBTQ quote unquote pride night. Now there was an event that happened earlier this year, and I don't know if it was for this year or the year prior, because all these charges apparently uh, were, took place in 2022. It must've been for last year's event, but the, the whole, and I, I'll be honest with you. It's funny how uh, I remember Brother Andrew's prayer used to be when he would try to smuggle Bibles into the Iron Curtain countries. He would say, oh, Lord, who made blind eyes see, make seeing eyes blind as I bring these Bibles across the border. It was amazing how many times God did that. No one could see them. Um, no one could see the Bibles anyway. Well, it's very interesting. But a lot of times people get really, really, really uptight about things that are happening that they don't think are right. I, I still remember um, some really great men of faith back in, was it 1988, 89, something like that. There was a movie Martin Scorsese was making. It was called The Last Temptation of Christ. Remember that film? Uh, a group of uh, members of Christian media had heard about the film. I don't know if they ever saw it or not, 
But they heard about it and they were outraged. They were absolutely incensed. The film imagined what it would be like for Jesus to literally be on the cross. I haven't seen it. Uh, but to come down off the cross and say, forget it, I'm not going to die on the cross. Instead, I'm going to marry Mary Magdalene and have a normal life. Well, of course, that, that's blasphemous for us in the body of Christ to even insinuate that Jesus would do something like that, right? Well, um, uh, you know, <laughs> I can remember reading some books by authors like Max Lucado who would say, I wonder when Jesus was in the carpenter shop, if he thought about, he was taking that wood and nailing it together and he might be making what would turn out to be his own cross. I wonder if he took the nails and rubbed them in his hand and, and wondered what it was like. I wonder if maybe he thought, no, I don't really want to do this. Well, we know in scripture, it tells us that Jesus said in the gospel accounts that when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, waiting for his arrest, waiting with his disciples, the 11 who are with him because Judas had gone to betray him. And he's praying to God. And what's the prayer? The prayer is, God, I don't want to do this. Now, Jesus is fully God and fully man, of course. And his flesh, he he was so grieved by the fact that he was going to be taking on the sin of the world, knowing what that would be. None of us can imagine. As a parent, if you've ever had to bear the consequences, or maybe as you're as you're a child and you're growing up and your parents have just kind of a lousy track record with sin and stuff like that, and you have to bear the generational curse of their bad decisions, or as a parent, you've got that kid who just keeps, you know, driving you nuts and maybe they have, you know, relational problems with a you know spouse or their kids or maybe legal problems, and it just sucks the life out of you, right? Imagine what Jesus was going through in the garden. And what did he say? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. The cup of wrath that was part actually of the Passover celebration where Jesus had told his disciples, say, look, drink this cup. We're all going to drink this one together. I have to drink the cup of wrath, but we're all going to drink the cup of the new covenant. And that's why when we celebrate the Eucharist and we eat the body, which was broken and given for us, uh, it's the body of Jesus Christ being broken for our sin. And then the blood of Jesus poured out and basically poured out off the cross and, if you will, into the cup of wrath, and now it becomes the cup of, 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 of communion. And every time we eat of this bread and drink of the cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again by saying, look, I'm drinking from the cup of the new covenant, which is my salvation. I'm not drinking of the cup I should drink from, which is the cup of wrath because of my sin. It's a little mini sermon there. Um, the movie Last Temptation of Christ was going to open on six screens. So it would qualify for an Academy Award nomination and then it was going to go away. But because Christians made such a big flipping deal over it, guess what happened? It wound up opening on like 3,500 screens and it had the largest per singles day per screen average total at that time of any movie ever released. And the reason that happened is because a group of Christians who are trying to warn people about something that bad wound up giving all the free publicity to this horrible movie that they didn't want people to see. And the only headlines about Christians were the ones who were going into theaters and cutting up movie seats so people couldn't sit down, I kid you not, and taking spray cans of paint and painting, defacing public theaters to try to keep people from watching this movie. Sin is sin, people. Brothers and sisters, people are going to sin whether we want them to or not. We are not, the Great Commission does not say go into all the world and stop people from sinning. It says preach the gospel. 
So in the same way, when all that ladies of perpetual indulgence or whoever they were, were getting their award with Dodger Stadium, and Christians were all in an uproar. There was a big protest, thousands of Catholics in front of Dodger Stadium. They did the actual ceremony about an hour before the opening pitch was thrown out the, the day of that Pride game. You know how many people were in the stadium for the actual ceremony? About 30. In other words, if someone hadn't been there with a camera, no one even knew it happened. We have to pick our battles wisely, which is why in the case of Mr. Brandon here, I admire his passion for saying, I don't want abortionists to be able to uh, to perform abortions. And I don't want abortion clinics to be around. But throwing a Molotov cocktail at a Planned Parenthood clinic does not jibe. He now faces five to 20 years in prison for each of the conspiracy and malicious destruction counts. The count of, the count of possession of an unregistered destructive device is punishable by up to 10 years in federal prison. He's only 24 years of age, and I hope he doesn't wind up spending the, life, the rest of his life behind bars. But let this be a lesson to us, brothers and sisters. The way to effectively communicate the pro-life message is not by throwing Molotov cocktails at Planned Parenthood clinics. So what is the most effective way? And how common is it for people in the pro-life community to experience this type of uh, pressure to not perform the duties that they're called to do? We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're still taking your calls for those David Jeremiah Advent devotionals. They're free. Everyone Wednesday. We got 10 of them we're giving away today. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we've been reporting to you today about Chance Brannon. He's the former United States Marine uh, from Camp Pendleton, a resident of San Juan Capistrano who attempted to bomb, well, he threw a Molotov cocktail in the parking lot of the Planned Parenthood in Costa Mesa in March of 2022. He has worked out a plea deal where he pleaded guilty to four charges. He faces up to 20 years in prison for the first three and up to 10 years in prison for the last charge. There are two other co-conspirators who will have their trials coming up later. But the idea that this guy was wanting to throw a Molotov cocktail at a Planned Parenthood clinic kind of flies in the face of convention of how we in the pro-life community handle what we do. For example, right now we have a special opportunity for you with our friends at Preborn. Make a tax-deductible donation to Preborn today, and it will be doubled. 
This double matching grant is only in place until December 31st. So you've got to act now and take advantage of it. And quite frankly, I, I have to admit, we have done such a wonderful job here at the Bottom Line Show in supporting preborn. I'm absolutely shocked that for the past couple of days we haven't had any calls or any online gifts. Every other station in the Crawford chain, National Crawford Roundtable, AMUZ in Detroit, all the ones who are doing this are getting two, three calls a day. And I look at the call report, it comes in, and there's a blank line for the Bottom Line Show. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Don't do it because I'm goading you into it. Take advantage of this opportunity for what Chance Brandon tried to do was to get people to stop having abortions, to get abortionists to stop doing them. Preborn takes the more excellent way, as the Apostle Paul would say, by pro- providing uh, ultrasound appointments for free for women who are expecting. And once a woman sees the ultrasound images of her child, hears the heartbeat for the first time, and has everything explained to her as to what preborn has to offer, then she makes the decision for life for the child 85% of the time, either to become a mom, raise the child on her own, or release the child for adoption to one of the thousands of couples nationwide. And I kid you not, for every one child who is placed into an adoptive home, there are 37 other families that are ready qualified, screened, ready to go to adopt a child. Let's work those people out, thanks to preborn. 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics choose life for their child, and nearly 10,000 women last year heard the gospel preached at a preborn clinic and gave their lives to Christ. So we're saving the baby's life, and we're saving mom's soul. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, B-A-B-Y. Or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner, and your gift is automatically doubled. It's $28 for an ultrasound appointment. It's two, that's $140 for five. It's $280 for 10. <coughs> and if you feel led and have the means to do so, it's $15,000 for an ultrasound machine. But because of this two-for-one match, if you donate 7500 and say, I want to give money for an ultrasound machine, they'll double the 7500 Boom, another ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic right here in town. 833-850-BABY. Let's make the phone ring today. Can we get at least one bottom line show listener to call in with a gift to preborn? Completely tax deductible. 100% of what you give will be donated directly to the cause of ultrasound technology. 833-850-2229. B-A-B-Y is the number to call preborn right now. Um, it's interesting because watching this action, of course, the left picks up on this. See, there's another one of those anti-abortion zealots and our doctors are at risk and we need RICO laws and we need you know, uh, all sorts of uh, protections for women who are going to have abortions. But is that really the case? Can I share a couple of statistics with you as we wrap up the program today? that will kind of put this in proper perspective. I have to admit that once I heard about what was happening in this case, that it, it, it occurred to me that maybe, just maybe, the left and the abortion-loving people might actually have some, uh, they might actually have a, a justifiable gripe as to whether or not um, abortionists were at greater risk for performing abortions because of these pro-life zealots than the other way around. And so the National Abortion Federation keeps track of all this stuff. And it's amazing to see what the numbers really are. 
They've been tracking this since 1977. Remember, Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973. Since 1977, there have been numerous accounts, they don't put a number on it, of people being verbally harassed at abortion clinics. Yeah, we've seen that too. In the same way that pregnancy resource centers have abortion supporters verbally harassing them. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But then you get into actual assault, assault and battery, you get into bombings, you get into, you know, building destructions and actual death. And would you be surprised to learn that since 1977, the National Abortion Federation estimates that the number of people who have been arrested for assault against a worker at a clinic is 496. Now, how many hundreds, if not thousands, of abortion clinics? At one point, Planned Parenthood actually was operating 2,000 clinics in the 1990s. They're down to 650 now, I believe. There are something like 730 abortion clinics in the U.S. So why is it then that if there are that many, there were at one point that many, that the number of cases of actual assault against the abortion industry, there are 496 cases. And then let's add to that the number of abortion clinics that have actually been attacked including the attack on the Costa Mesa Clinic in March of 2022. According to the National Abortion Federation, the number of abortion clinics that have been attacked, like by firebombing and this, that, and the other thing, is 46. Over a 46-year period, the number of abortion clinics that has been attacked is 46. That's an average of one per year. But they make it sound so common. Okay, now let me ask you, how many pregnancy resource centers then have been attacked? Surely it isn't that many. The left tell you that they're a peaceful lot and they're very structured and principled and they would never do anything like that, right? On the other side of this break, I'm going to share some shocking statistics with you as to how out of balance this number is. I just shared with you numbers from 46 years of pro-lifers allegedly attacking abortionists. What's it like for the same time frame? for the pro-life community being attacked. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Freeborn is the ministry we've been talking about all year long that provides free ultrasounds for women who are expecting. But one of the best things about the preborn ultrasound experience for a woman is oftentimes there are women who come to preborn, they see the ultrasound, all of a sudden they begin to realize, wow, this is a baby, not a cluster of cells. And what are my options? They find out that option number one, of course, is congratulations, you're a mother. Here in the People's Republic of California, they can also legally abort the child. But the third option is the one that you don't hear about at the abortion clinics, and that's releasing the child for adoption. Your $28 donation to Preborn right now will provide one ultrasound visit. A $15,000 donation will provide one ultrasound machine. And thanks to a special year-end gift here, a matching gift by a friend of the Ministry of Preborn, your gift today is doubled. Go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner, and then make your best tax deductible donation to preborn. $28 saves one baby's life, $140 saves five, $280 saves 10, and $15,000 provides an ultrasound machine that can do 250 ultrasounds per year for at least 10 years. And every gift you make today will be doubled thanks to a special matching gift at preborn. 
Learn more when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the preborn banner today. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A reminder, Preborn needs your support, and we have a two-for-one opportunity right now. Your gift to Preborn Pregnancy Resource Centers will be doubled today. It'll be doubled all throughout the month of December. This is a perfect opportunity if your family's looking to do a little above and beyond giving here at the end of the year. Preborn is a great place to rest that money. $28 donation becomes a $56 donation. You pay for one ultrasound for one of their clients, and then it becomes two ultrasounds. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go online to gaybrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner. Now, before the break, I was talking about the uh, the case of uh, uh, Charles Brandon, or Chance Brandon, rather, the former U.S. Marine who was convicted of uh, four counts of attempting to bomb a... Uh, pro-life, or, uh, excuse me, a pro-abortion uh, center, uh, Planned Parenthood in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of time for that. And then I looked at the numbers as to how many abortion clinics have been attacked by anti-abortion foes. The number of abortion clinics that have been bombed is like 46, over 46 years. The number of assaults is around 400. They were talking two to 3,000 abortion clinics for years, for 20 years or so, and such a small number of assaults. How about in the other direction, though, with the abortionists going after pro-lifers? I don't have numbers going back to 1977. I don't have them going back too far. But since this Chance Brandon case happened in March of 2022, why don't we use as our timeline the May 2nd, 2022 leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case that eventually overturned Roe versus Wade. When it was leaked, that that case was going to go in favor of Dobbs and Mississippi. The number of pregnancy resource centers, pro-life organizations, and churches that were vandalized, firebombed, uh, broken into, defaced with pro-abortion graffiti and threatening messages. 38 churches and more than 50 pregnancy resource centers. The total over the span of 15 months, actually the total over been about six months, was over 100. So let's review. Number of abortion clinics vandalized, firebombed by pro-lifers since 1977, 46. Number of pro-life resource centers and churches vandalized by pro-abortionists since May of last year, 100. Who's the violent group now? Who's the tolerant group now? Trust me, part of your donation to preborn is going to ultrasounds. They do a separate set of fundraising for security to make sure they're not being firebombed. But here's the deal. In the same way the enemy tried to steal baby Jesus from the manger, the devil has always been after the sanctity of human life and the cause of human life as it pertains to preserving the birth of the innocents. Every child is created in God's in the womb by God's hand and has a special purpose. Every life matters. Your donations count. Stand up for what is right and what is true and what is biblical. That's the bottom line. 